yeah okay so then you know this conversation in the pub i was saying like i thought you know maybe young people were getting you know more into anarchist or libertarian kind of politics mm -hmm. and then you told me that in the uk i was completely wrong something else very different what's happening yeah sure and i i mean i suppose i maybe because it was in the pub and maybe i had also drunk like maybe more beer and i also can't wait to have some more drunken ramblings in the pub after you're allowed to go into a bar but um uh i sort of maybe provocatively said that i've met some people who uh identify as anarcho stalinists which obviously was a complete uh, contradiction and also not a sort of plausible um tendency i suppose you could think about the um, yeah, so I was talking about that a bit, but I suppose I thought about it a bit afterwards and thought what I was really talking about was maybe a lot of these more left libertarian tendencies that you might have come out of, like the student movement or Occupy or um, even previously anti-globalisation movement that have gone into different like party structures as well, but still maintain a certain amount of fidelity to that kind of more autonomous politics that they might have had beforehand as well. And so um, I, I feel like this is a, a growing tendency within either the base of the Labour Party or people who have previously been into more kind of anarchist or libertarian left politics who are now trying to rethink that how they've ended up in, in the party structure as mm -hmm. well. Um, whereas I think things like uh, anarchism in the UK is definitely on, on the way and there's more of an idea about how you maintain the different um, organisational structures, such as uh, the party, uh, especially after the kind of defeat, massive defeat in 2019. I always forget when it was now, because there's obviously been a year of Corona, so <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but that was kind of maybe what I was more alluding to. I, um, I mean, there's definitely organisations that I've either been involved in or around where there's been like a lot of younger comrades who, again, um, are much more kind of interested, they're interested in kind of uh, left libertarian politics, but they have real commitments to um, a kind of, yeah, uh, a sort of more of a mass politics, I suppose, mm. that they see within... Um, that they see only kind of possible in the UK through that party. Now, I don't know what that what's going to happen after at the moment, because obviously that's changed massively and it was all very much in relation to Corbyn's leadership um, that this all these kind of relationships started to happen. Um, and now that's gone. And obviously, uh, I, I don't really know what the next um, step will be. Um, I was sort of involved with a few... Um, uh, friends, uh, particularly one friend, Seth, to try and figure out what this politics might be. And we were trying to um, carve out kind of history of what was we've kind of called in and against the state, which was a previous um, post-68 tendency in the, in the UK as well. Um, so... I feel like this doesn't. This hasn't just come out of nowhere. This mm -hmm. does have have some like um, 
historical context within um, particularly the like late 60s, 70s in the UK with uh, different groups. Um, and I should say that I work at an archive that's also, with, and I'm definitely not speaking in the capacity of that archive, <laughs> but it has definitely some, uh, a lot of those documents of particular groups that I think are also becoming more interesting um, uh, in, in relation to this kind of what might be seen as a sort of growing in and against the state tendency as well. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's what I was maybe alluding to when we were in the puff. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of a, of this reference that we have, uh, Miguel and I, with Cornelius Cardio and the Scratch Orchestra, mm. that it was actually, it was this moment, there was a split when, you know, one uh, more politically motivated and theoretically motivated people, you know, went into Maoism you know, mm. and, you know, they started to get into popular songs and, you know, doing music for, you know, for, you know, workers' movements. And and then there was another section that it was more artistic and anarchistic mm. called the Slippery Merchants which, you know, they would just wanted to continue to do this more playful kind of anarchistic kind of situations and, and kind of gestures. But, um, but and I guess the figure of Stalin, the Stalinism, that's, I guess that's, you know, I mean, even Putin is reviving, you know, you know like there is this revival of Stalin from very different kind of uh, uh, perspectives from the you know, more kind of right wing to very left wing mm. and even, you know, anti-imperialist kind of tendencies that you, you know, they are not, you know, it could often be, mm. at least, you know, people that I know from Spain that they're... So they're Stalin getting back into the sort of more Stalinist politics. Or, or, or you know, they're not very critical. They're mm. not very, you know, they, you know, and, and that, that's like... Maybe the approach I, sometimes is a bit uh, shallow and superficial almost for its quiche attributes. But yeah, from the left, you have certain instances in Spain that it's, uh, his figure is uh, capitalized, let's say, in a more um, free way, or I don't know how to express this without without the complex or without the concern of being denounced as a totalitarian if you know what i mean is this the stuff that you were trying to mention Machi, from yeah, yeah 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 it's and, not and, thrown upon yeah and in the uk like the figure you know because because then when i tried to google anarcho-stalinism i couldn't find Almost yeah, anything, I, you know. I mean, yeah, I also did the same to try to <laughs> figure out what I was talking about. But um, no, I mean, I think also what I was maybe saying in, in the pub is uh, this is maybe a sort of provocative term. Like, I, I, I also see like people being less critical of Stalin and things on Twitter, but that politics doesn't really go outside of maybe like a Twitter sphere or, yeah, mm. as you said, this kind of like kitsch uh, revival or something. Um, but uh, I think this was more, um, again, sort of 
an interest in in the party and also maybe discipline or an idea of uh, kind of the party as a kind of organ of that um, people need to participate in and but also taking sort of tactics and uh, principles as well from a more kind of like social movement context mm -hmm. as well and I really think that lots of people don't really see that as particularly uh, contradictory so much anymore as well so uh, yeah I mean I, I don't want to give the impression of lots of like Stalinists running around in the UK using like uh, <laughs> um, yeah uh, I don't know yeah tactics from social movements or something like that but mm. uh, it's more this kind of not seeing this contradiction or seeing this contradiction as productive if you're attempting to make a more kind of like scalable and generalizable politics um, I think lots of people saw like mass participation in a way that they hadn't mm -hmm. um, for like uh, 10 years or something so there was like anti-austerity movements as well but this was not seen as really winning very much. Um, so I think this experience of the participation in party politics, and obviously within that, there was also a vying for power as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. uh, so you get a much more like maybe conservative or like Benite left um, in opposition to something that might be seen as more social movement orientated or anti-authoritarian. Um, and definitely there's been a kind of buying for uh, power within like different institutions of mm -hmm. the party or different institutions that surround the party, like that party as well, be that media or um, momentum, which I don't know if you guys know who it is, but like, yeah. But um, explain it just yeah. Yeah. Um, momentum is a sort of uh, organization that runs alongside the Labour Party, which was formed when Jeremy Corbyn was elected its leader. Um, and so it's not a Labour Party institution, but it was very much um, orientated around either getting Corbyn into power or sort of uh, promoting when he was in there, um, but also being able to mobilize um, a lot of people during elections and, and otherwise. I mean, they also just put out something today which I haven't read properly which is in like kind of new strategy for organizing socialism in a new sort of time frame and um new time like post-pandemic and post-corbyn which again i think really draws on a sort of idea that you work through the party and and it's in its um structures but also keep a kind of slightly more like militant stance towards things like housing or evictions or something that might go against the sort of party line but um is seen very much as part of that strategy as well mm -hmm. in a way it's like uh, direct action in the name of the labor party which is definitely obviously not a labor party tactic mm -hmm. as well so um i think that's kind of uh yeah um, an interesting development as well mm -hmm. um um so yeah i feel like there's not so much of a kind of people are very much um yeah uh faithful to a certain type of uh 
tactics or politics as well, but they're trying to think about how that becomes much bigger. Mm. I don't know if that's clear. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like a friend, um, well, Anthony, a mutual friend of ours, you know, when I mentioned this, he, you know, then he gave me two clues, but I haven't been able to call it. When was the name Seth Weiler or Seth Weiler? Seth, uh... Seth Weiler. Yeah, so he's someone that I've also spent a lot of time talking to about this, um, and he's Uh, he actually just wrote the forward to this book called In and Against the State, which is a republishing of a pamphlet um, <laughs> from the ninth, from 1970. Mm. The 1970s, I'm not sure what they said. Mm -hmm. um, there's always a sort of rumor that John McDonald, who was the shadow chancellor, wrote this pamphlet although his name is spelt slightly differently. Mm -hmm. But it's um, a pamphlet which actually on some levels is quite um, uninteresting in the sense that it's lots of public sector workers mm -hmm. who are sort of committed revolutionary socialists mm -hmm. trying to think through how you um, uh, conduct like class struggle politics whilst working within like, state structures such mm -hmm. as... Um, I don't think any of them are civil servants, but like social workers. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, so this has been republished by Pluto Press. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been published yet, so it's upcoming. And he's um, Seth spent a lot of time tracing this tendency from Occupy and the student movement into Corbyn and how mm -hmm. how that's kind of worked. So I was actually going to suggest that we brought him on as well because he's a close friend. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he is also, uh, we've spent a bit of time trying to look through um, some more like archival material and historical documents to try and locate this as a tendency in, in the UK. Um, and uh, Equally, he's involved in an organisation that's called Labour Transformed, uh, which I was earlier involved in, which again tries to build this as a kind of organisation around this tendency rather than it just being an interesting contradiction as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that, that would be for me. Is he connected to Plan C? Because that's also another reference that Anthony gave me. Uh, yeah, so he was one of the founding members of Plan C. And maybe we could explain Plan C because I've seen that, you know, I've seen that they were reading Mark Fisher or discussing Mark Fisher's, you know, in the park, and they, you know, they seem to be like organizing, yeah, kind of reading groups. And, uh, in Berlin? No, no, uh, some somewhere in North, North, uh, ah, okay. North, North uh, Great Britain. Um, so I'm not, not, I've never been a member, but as I understand Plan C, um, it is somewhere between. Uh, A, it's, it's not a it's not a party but it's kind of like an uh, an organized network of people who have like branches up and down the country they're much more like economists mm -hmm. um marxist in their politics uh they do a lot of work around social uh reproduction um and uh, things like the java and housing activism mm -hmm. and things like that So it was, uh, I think it was founded in 2011, so kind of, I think just after the student movement. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a kind of a lot of people from maybe more like anti globalization politics as well, which was seeing that something different was happening within like the younger generation. And uh, this was a kind of organization that came out of that as well. Now they had a very 
um, I think, I don't know, they had, um, I think quite a lot of their members went into Labour, but then a lot of people were also against that movement as well. So that, I think that was something that they find very hard to reconcile as well, um, which again, maybe plays into this uh, very much an origin of a lot of the base of the Labour Party, particularly in London, is this kind of um, much more kind of, um, yeah, left libertarian uh, politics as well, who then maybe get uh, also maybe see the party structure for what it is as well, but still in some way like participating in that as well. And um, like I said, I have no idea. I mean, I've been in Berlin for a while now, so I don't really know what happens now. Mm. I don't know if this was like a moment that was very much confined to Corbyn. I do get the impression that people maybe are reluctant to go back to like smaller like more minoritarian politics and are still maybe found this exercise in kind of um, um, mass mobilisation of people around socialism I suppose or well social democracy and maybe the ideal of like, socialism um, kind of interesting and something that they can still relatively committed to as well. I think for a lot of people it was also that kind of political moment of education that you have. I think my local student movement in 2010, but like everyone has this thing that they're maybe faithful to. And so a lot of people who might have had a more kind of like libertarian, left libertarian or anti-authoritarian perspective beforehand, still this might be the moment of their real kind of politicalization. Mm. Um, yeah. It's interesting for me, at least from my limited experience uh, here in the UK, how how difficult uh, it is to reconcile the ideas of yeah um, far left politics or libertarian movements, and then a very old-fashioned structure of a party like the Labour Party, no? and the way in which you can um, instrumentalize uh, your political commitment being the average the guardian leader uh, the guardian reader and, mm -hmm. and then as well someone with interests in niche uh, ways of doing far left politics and it's like I do not understand this because it's, it's very complex uh, from at least from the point of view of someone that comes from a bar from a country like Spain, that even though we have like two main parties and now the situation changed after 15M, but still, uh, yeah, there is this sort of polarization of the society. But in, in I don't know, it's, it's, it's so difficult because I try to put myself in the in the position of someone of my age with the right to vote in the UK and so and for me it would be extremely extremely difficult to feel keen to vote for the Labour Party you know or even in a in a situation like now after yeah the decisions that were 
made in for the general public like in the pandemic this very weak opposition or during the whole brexit thing again like extremely extremely weak opposition i i i i find fascinating that the steel uh, is able to embrace a lot of people from the far left is for me is inconceivable i do not understand this how this is possible um, yeah i'm trying to think i mean because i was relatively um uh, invested in that as well and would also describe myself as coming from more of that position um uh but i mean i suppose you see post financial crash a lot of people going into different parties across europe say like podemos or Syriza or which obviously is not that successful um, but uh, as in also with uh, the labor party also was not that successful like, i think like people should be like yeah honest about that but um uh i suppose the idea that, that i mean britain is basically a two-party system so there was also maybe this kind of there became an interest in uh this reachable power uh whatever and, and also in that sense jeremy corbyn also i think became a bit of an avatar mm-hmm. in which people could like read different things into like be that um that he was committed to a kind of more social movement or that he was more of a kind of orthodox left or, or he had a commitment to trade unions like, in a way he spoke to a lot of that thing and in a way i think that's maybe part of it as well that he was very much an avatar for this um and i mean they came up with policies and all that i mean some of their ideas were kind of good in terms of a like uh uh social democratic reforms but um but i think sort of uh more than that i think he was able to mobilize many different factions of the left under one umbrella uh without necessarily meaning to do so <laughs> okay. um so uh well, yeah you could kind of participate in that way uh, as uh, and uh there were like many people as i said who had the same kind of politics previously had the same politics and then had sort of ended up there as well however i would say that actually maybe you see now that people are not loyal to the labor party but were actually kind of more interested in that moment um and i think now perhaps it's more interesting to think about what can be taken away from that moment how you can in a way like leave the party and still set up uh, like organizations of comrades who maybe have found themselves amongst uh, within that um uh moments and 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 are now not completely sure what to do as well i think there was also a real um uh, awareness that the left um be it the orthodox more orthodox left or the um libertarian left were really devoid of any kind of institutions or organizations um, and i think there's been a real uh, attempt to try and build some of those that would like outlive that moment as well um and during that time that maybe they were much more competing because in a way 
it was in a proximity to power but so i'm kind of interested to see um how that develops after that as well um i think like things like um john mcdonald and jeremy corbyn's uh support of base unions um which essentially police syndicalists in their uh, politics um also housing unions and things like that uh which have grown a lot in the uk i think because uh, i don't know if you've heard the group called acorn or uh, london renters union uh, again so these get the support of like the front bench of politics which in the uk is very very unusual mm-hmm. um and so i think again there was an ability to bridge uh those um uh, relationships uh, in a way that haven't ha- haven't happened before as well. So um, I think maybe it's more of like an embrace of that contradiction as well. I mean, I think lots of people went into that and were like, "Oh my God, the Labour Party structures are utterly like tedious and awful, and we hate them." <laughs> but uh, so it wasn't like everyone just went from a more like a consensus politics or a social movement politics and then suddenly were like oh i really really want to go to my local labor party branch meeting um but there was uh maybe an interest in that contradiction or also that people might not um yeah they found it maybe a bit more sort of productive as well to think through that um and i suppose there was also an idea of possibility Mm. which i think there's been the left has not been able to wield much power for sure in the UK for a long time as well. So. And, and now I want to ask the question about the elephant in the room, which is a question about nationalism and the relationship to the state, as you were saying, the in and against. But like, you know, because everything kind of in the middle of all this, the whole Brexit was going on and, you know, the position of Corbyn was quite ambiguous and you know it kind of um, so so the question is like how you know for example these people these young people that we were describing as anarcho Stalinist you know how you know this question about uh, the role of the state and you know how to work within it how do they conceive it you think um or within the whole Brexit, you know, debate or... I mean, I think Brexit's maybe a complicated one in terms of the role of the state because in a way it was definitely also the reason that that election was lost, I would say. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, um... Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not... Uh, really sure um i definitely think there needs to be some more um like there's like people keep on talking about the need for different sorts of political education within socialism and i think definitely that what the state is and like that role is definitely very much um needed with, with within that as well um in terms of uh brexit i it was often in a way just sort of um, ignored because it wasn't seen as like there was a particularly progressive element on either side of that as well. Um, amongst people that I know, there was also a lot of the left who were very pro-Brexit as well, which often got called Lexit. Um, 
and so there's was quite a big uh, group within the sort of middle years I'm talking about who were very much like anti-second referendum, very much uh, uh, against the EU as an institution, um, and uh, yeah, maybe more that, like socialism in one country kind of rhetoric or something like that. Um, a lot of the people I know didn't really know what those like principles that were at stake in it that people were like committed to um in terms of politics around borders and things like that but in terms of the sort of kind of uh fast that was brexit on these different sides and these votes is, i don't think there was really a, a particularly um people were committed to each either either side on on, on one level we seen as much more of a kind of like um I don't know, like, yeah, poison chalice or something. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I've kind of, yeah, maybe I've forgotten a bit about the Brexit debate because it went on for so long. <laughs> well, but what was it perceived like over here in a way? Like, um, well, because um, in a way I would not have supported a second referendum in a way. I think it was something that, like, uh, um, even though I voted to remain in the EU, it was a, it was very sort of complicated politics. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we all, you know, both of us, you know, I lived in London for a long time, and you know, and now I live in Berlin. So mm-hmm. we are, you know, I grew up with, you know, the idea of Europe and the benefits. You know, even yeah. though you know I've kind of been critical of the state and everything, but to be honest, I kind of benefited quite a lot from. The possibilities that it gave me and the openness and you know and when i moved to london that level of openness and you know, um, you know different people you know and it didn't matter where you came from you know and then what i got the feedback that i got is that after brexit it did matter where you came from and your accent and people you know, being careful you know the language that they spoke you know like that so so you know like kind of the um, some sort of old rhetoric was revived. Obviously, this is a fact, no? The result of the Brexit referendum legitimized certain attitudes, maybe not for uh, the left media, but yeah, for certain regions of, I don't know, or sections of the, the country that identify nationalism attitudes legitimizing yeah the stuff that it's pretty ugly and pretty bleak huh? and i am concerned because i see that um, yeah there is a role there is uh, nationalism uh, is um, again like a seducing idea for some people after particularly after brexit because uh, talking about for example lexit no is this uh, this huge amount of people from from the left that they were uh, in favor of brexit i mean as as Martin and i am pretty sure a lot of people i mean european institutions brussels so 
uh, we can problematize that uh, quite easily, you know? but yeah, I mean, it's a, a structure that warranties certain frameworks in which we can, we can fight against the lords of wars, uh, against the against companies, against neoliberal interests in general. And now, now we see uh, extremely weird situations. I mean, I can give you examples of super stupid stuff. Like, for example, just to give you an example, I received some medication for a chronic disease that it's prescribed in Spain. Okay? So after Brexit, uh, my mom sends me the stuff via mail and was like Correos, which is the equivalent of Royal Mail, and then uh, Royal Mail, and then my home. So my mom sent me this, it's lost the, the package. Extremely expensive medicines paid by the equivalent of the NHS in Spain. But obviously, a platform uh, company like Amazon can put me in my house in 18 hours, the most obscure commodity without any sort of problems in terms of orders, etc. And this occurred in the very first delivery after the after Brexit. The very first delivery was, was lost because obviously we had the problem as well with the UK Bahrain in Dover with the trucks, etc. So a lot of different things were going on at the same time. But still, this is just a first person uh, from the very subjective perspective of the situation that we are no one against a guy like Jeff Bezos in a situation in which this this framework that we created let's call it European uh, it was like really comfortable and yeah obviously from the point of view of being super privileged and very nice stuff. Imagine if you are yeah, living through hell, uh, for me it's super difficult to legitimize certain, for example, hate speech just because you disagree with the, know, with the yeah, politics that are taking place in Brussels, obviously, because it's like, I don't know, I don't think even if it's a matter of uh, embracing certain contradictions or not. It's just that what you are reviving now, it's an idea of Britain, that again is like, uh, I don't know, standing along with uh, certain notions and attributes of doing politics and international relationships that it's like its own way its own anglo-saxon way of, of doing international politics which from the point of view of the left is quite scary at least from my point of view 
but I don't want to But do you mean that you were confused why people maybe went into uh, more kind of parliamentary politics at this particular Brexit time? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I don't, I don't think there was very much a like, uh, um, the very diverse uh, opinions on Brexit within that. That's just saying that there are there were kind of like more like Brexit factions within that, and um, uh, and then obviously more kind of like remain people who are sort of very much in favour of free movement and, and things like that. So I don't think, in a way, but are you are you kind of saying you're not sure why people would have taken that moment to go into this kind of politics? Yeah, absolutely. This participation in parliamentary politics to express this, because I have a couple of examples in mind. Mm. Uh, anarchist people who voted uh, uh, in favor of Brexit. And I was puzzled with, uh, with this. Obviously, because it's sort of counterintuitive when you see who is advocating for Brexit. Mm-hmm. And then it's counterintuitive if you think uh, about the real impact and consequences in very practical uh, daily stuff that you see, you know, uh, how the system now is exploiting a lot of inequalities result of Brexit, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. For example, I'm thinking of, you know, like, friends also that uh, are left, but they are pro-Trump, you know, and it's like this, you know, against this, you know, Bezos, you know, against Amazon, against globalization in that kind of... Yeah. 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 But like because the, because of the national, you know, like the you know the national to try to contain kind of a, you know try to defend the you know working class people in this you know that. And then the idea it's easier to organize a working class with those borders. Yeah. That that and and no and that basically and that he's like against Amazon for example or that he will be against you know. You know, that Joe Biden would be, you know, back to normal, back to, you know, like business as usual, you know, was. Yeah, that it's anti-establishment, he's talking to the workers, etc. No? Okay, <laughs> oh, wow, I'm very, as Martin says, very well informed and educated left-wing people, not this sort of... Uh, I don't know, tool head that says socialism, but yeah, it's just a sort of mascara. No, no, people that they they have done their reading and still they support the idea of a figure like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it's often, you know, kind of in connection to this anti-woke kind of movement and it's just like, mm. you know, against the political correctness and against, you know, this... Yeah, you know, sort okay. of reactionary, as they call, dirty back left. The what? Dirty back. Dirty oh, yeah, back. No, okay. mm. the podcast, no? Yeah, the yeah. red scare kind of, uh, of top of the house, you know. Yeah, and, uh, actually... Adam Curtis in the interview that he did for this podcast, so-called Red Scare, 
he was mentioning quite recently, like a couple of weeks ago, that he understood perfectly uh, the potentials of nationalism and how uh, people like Bernie Sanders neglected, uh, yeah, conversations with the same workers that Trump said, okay, guys, uh, we are going to uh, stop uh, companies like yeah, these mavericks from Silicon Valley. We are going to put back uh, the factories working on uh, Detroit, etc. And apparently, for for him, for Alan Curtis, uh, it was a matter of yeah, talking with these people and say, look, Donald Trump did not put the wall. Donald Trump did not get you the your job back in Detroit, uh, but it's your demands are legit under the terms that Trump is putting this, uh, this set of uh, demands, like anti-establishment, anti-political correctness, uh, and yeah, it's just that he won't deliver, but we will deliver for you. Uh, in favor of, for example, the idea of a, a, the idea of a state nation that has power over like global or universal interests. And um, and do you see that, like you know, within the realm of stay uh, social democracy given the current conditions do you see a future for it um, i mean i'm i'm interested to see what comes as i said i was in um, i've been in berlin for a bit so i feel like relatively mm. detached from yeah. that whole um thing but um I think those people who are still interested in remaining in Labour or being active in it see it as very much a like long, mm-hmm. long, long slog or like process because basically, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I see any kind of uh, um, potential in that at the moment at all. Um, but uh, as I said, I'm kind of interested in how many people it brought together from tendencies that I would not necessarily imagine that that would be the case and um, I think uh, yeah I'm kind of curious to see where that goes I think maybe it will lead to more um, participation of people who might have joined that party into it might go the other way instead of like um, people who are more of a kind of like uh, libertarian left going into the party, people who maybe were um, have gone into the party will now go into maybe more like base unions or housing struggles or like there's definitely um, it's uh, people very much more identify as uh, socialists in a way that's not just like social democracy in a way that I think I haven't really seen so much before. So I think in a way it um, has brought people together and it, I mean, it's a shame that it would fragment, um, but I think it's kind of interesting to see where they would go. Um, 
I, I think definitely some other organizations that see the importance of having a kind of uh, I'm not saying like another party, but like a, a more of a kind of like mass organization might might come out of that as well. I think definitely some people are also like vying for it as well. Um, uh, yeah, as I said, I'd be interested to read what Momentum's new like uh, vision for organizing, which I do think, as I said, brings in like all these different like registers or something of like participation within maybe a more local democracy or an idea of municipalism and also like how much kind of more like militant stance on the things as well. So. Yeah, because it seems like a very, I mean, I think it's interesting to co to compare, you know, what happened to Syriza in the way that it was able to bring together, as you were mentioning, you know, similarly, you know, people with very different sensibilities, you know, even radicalists that I remember, Mm. You know, an anarchist, you know, in a squad in Athens, you know, telling me, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I voted for the, you know, I voted, you know, for the, for the referendum, for the memorandum, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I voted for Syriza. And then, you know, it's like, yeah, how do you do that? You know, it's like, well, nobody's perfect. You know, so, you know, he was admitting that, you know, because he was such a, that, you know, uh the vote you know in the memorandum in 2000 and um uh, was it six seventeen no it was 15 15 it was 15 because it was a year of the refugees you know it was like that year was absolutely crazy but you know so 2015 you know like the, the level of disappointment that that brought i think it just generated such a uh, wound Mm. You know, very, very difficult. And now what you're getting, what I heard the last time from people from Athens, that the Conservative Party is in power and they are dismantling, you know, all the strokes. And, well, and you know, know what's going on now in the recent days. It's horrible. Mm. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, so like, it's, um, yeah, like, and, and then in, I guess in Spain it's different, but you hear a lot of disenchantment from you know, more municipal movements or more, you know, like the, the basis, you know, complaining against the centralism of Podemos, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but they're in power, you know, so they are, you know, certainly, you know, they, they have some, you know, they are, they're achieving, or, you know, they're trying to achieve some some mm. things, but, you know, that they generate such amount of disenchantment and the question, the problem is to, what do you do with this disenchantment? Because I, I I, you know, as I remember in a talk, when one person from the ultra-left part of Syriza was explaining how the whole process, you know, how they got, you know, navigated through the kind of internal politics mm. into this position, which was very depressing, somebody asked from the audience, are you not scared, you know, that the last people, you know, the people who had the last hope on parliamentary politics, then when they see what happened, turn to the you know to extreme right you know mm. and and we cannot negate that it has been you know some you know that some people have probably said like fuck this you know just you know like I'm, you know if this is what you do with my last hope mm. i'm going the other way and um, and it's impossible you know because now it's happening but you know like kind of uh you know, what do you think that in Britain, you know, 
these people, you know, your comrades, you know, people that you were close to, how are they dealing with the big disenchantment or the, you know, the, the problem, the defeat of the last election? I mean, I think maybe it helped that you then had a pandemic, so everyone just like sat at home and was a bit miserable. I definitely think it's been a kind of period of uh, reflection for some of these organisations, um, and they're also coming back with the kind of. Um, and yeah, trying to rethink the last four years is not a complete and utter like uh, defeat as well. I think that people are also very worried that you have, I suppose, um, in terms of people who went in, it's in the like hundreds of thousands of people, right? Which again is like a pretty huge, I think, in terms of. Um, like, uh, this organization that I was involved in, which was called Labour Transformed, um, I, a friend from that was also in class war and had then gone into the Labour Party and he said that he thought it was the biggest mobilization that he had seen since the anti-poll tax riots. Well, so it's like, I mean, I think the scale should not maybe also be underestimated. So I think there's a sort of a, a fear that that will be lost mm-hmm. completely. There's also a fear that the idea that these people were then like radicalized or became like um, uh, is is maybe misfounded as well. Some of them are just like maybe then voted for the new leadership and are quite happy to stay within that or something. But um, there was also a lot of like maybe 60 year olds who had been in Labour and left under Blair and then came back as well. So that was obviously quite a lot of people who um, joined as well. Um, Like my mother, she Mm -hmm. left under over the Iraq war and then rejoined under Corbyn as well. This is like quite a big um, thing. So... um, I think there's an idea that this everyone will just be lost and there's a kind of maybe uh, an idea that you need to keep this kind of momentum or something going or find organisations or avenues of like participation and organising um, uh, that might be, say, in the US, something like the DSA or something like that um, for these people to go into as well. Um, in terms of the like more kind of libertarian left, uh, there's been a huge kind of, I would say, um, interest in yeah these like housing unions and base unions and, 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 and politics around that as well, um, and that was maybe also weirdly boosted under Corbyn, uh, which you would not necessarily expect as well. Um, so. Yeah, um, there's also like a lot around um, more like media avenues that have come up as well. Like, I mean, I think maybe things like Navarra are an interesting example as something that comes out of the uh, student movement that a lot of people there are identifying with a more kind of like libertarian communism and something, but something that became very much a um, supportive, not completely uncritical, but like very supportive of. Corbyn as well um, and then maybe some people are more like become social democrats and that or something but it's it, it's a, a kind of big avenue within like big um, one of the big organisations that I think that come out of this moment as well so I think that's probably 
something to also look out for. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe you also have these kind of like organized factions within the Labour Party that are more like libertarian or something like that. I'm not sure how that works. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, to be honest, I'm not quite sure. Um, Things to do with being in Berlin and the pandemic, and and are you surprised by the way that people look, or you know how the politics, you know, when you get a sense when you speak with people here, the differences, you know, when you compare a bit, are there some things that you are are you surprised about? Um, uh, I still find German politics relatively peculiar. <laughs> it's it's sort of a bit of a like weirdly. Uh, um, I mean, also the fact that she's been in power, for, Merkel's been in power for so long and stuff. Um, it seems to me very much like there's no nowhere in the middle that this like middle ground that maybe I'm talking about between the social movements and like maybe some aspiration of Delinka or something to do that but generally I see a much more kind of um, a politics that was maybe more possible in say somewhere like London in the 90s where you could live on you can live cheaply you can squat you can do all this sort of um, stuff which bred a certain type of maybe material conditions in which one could be involved in uh, a more kind of like uh, I suppose more like anti-globalization because it's all politics and squatting or something then I really is also maybe not the kind of conditions that you have now um I see that maybe a bit more in Berlin but that might not that might be a bit misguided um and uh, my partner recently was doing some work for Delinka mm-hmm. <laughs> um and that also seemed like uh particularly like cumbersome and maybe slightly antiquated in its like structures and things like that and I'm not sure how that joins up with um yeah I don't know, maybe more like housing struggles and things like that. But, mm. but I don't really see what happened in maybe the UK or in some extent the US under Sanders happening here. Yeah, no, no, not with the Lincoln, not, <laughs> certainly not with the SPD, absolutely the SPD. Maybe the Green, you know, that kind of, but I mean, I guess here, I mean, now in terms of mobilizations, what we get is the anti-corona, you know, I mean, they're, they're right, they're, they are mobilizing, they are, they, mm. you know, like really able to put people in the street and to, you know, even attack the rice stack, you know, like, kind of, which is a scary Although, mix. So at the moment I stay in a flat that is on Alexander Platz, mm-hmm. so it looks, yeah, it's between Rosa Luxemburgstrasse and Karl Ludwigstrasse, and it looks over Alexanderplatz. Um, and we've seen every single protest there has been. Mm. <laughs> Or, I mean, some also participated from like anti-eviction stuff around um, like uh, Riegerstrasse and uh, to like camps of tractors mm. from the yeah, farmers yeah, 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 that have been out there for crazy. like to these like um what they call queer denker mm-hmm. protests to the anti-mask protests the first time i saw them it kind of was a head fuck because it was here in predicastras and i saw a whole german family yeah. you know blonde you know like, and i thought he said queer you know it's just like that, that looks very weird yeah. and then later down in you know later that day i saw you know the whole demonstration is ah, okay it's 
Querdenken, which is transversal thinking, mm -hmm. you know, which is a concept that Kutari had, you know, mm -hmm. like kind of like in order to, you know, yeah. be able to interconnect and, you know, and they're trying to be very open and interconnect many different, you know, peace, love, you know, you see all these signs, you know, mm -hmm. and it's crazy that they are doing this and achieving to a certain extent what you were saying this very heterogeneous groups of people are jumping into this mm. it's for many of them is like the first time that they're getting uh, politicized mm -hmm. for a lot of people i am thinking a lot about this no how corona represents for a lot of young people their first instance of political engagement mm -hmm. with very obscure <laughs> and awkward uh, political demonstrations mm -hmm. because this sometimes comes from yeah completely mediated by technology the internet mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's not a grassroots movement <laughs> that you go to your i don't know assembly in the neighborhood whatsoever it's very weird. and what do you think about because i was reading the uh, the poll of uh, Uh, political intention, uh, voting intention from last week was this, the voting intention from the 15th of February in UK. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, you see how uh, the Conservative Party is reinforced and the Labour Party loses again. And, and it's like, how, how this is possible? It's like, I mean, you I help that the person who leads the Labour Party now is just like yeah. extraordinarily bad <laughs> on like a level that you would not predict. And I think his whole purpose in a way is to try and destroy the left within the Labour Party. I don't think there's an... I, I, I'm a bit confused of whether he in, in thinks that he... like that's he sees that as his role rather than like gaining power as well i suppose that i should maybe make this distinction which maybe is not um uh clear is that a lot of people who i think went into the labor party who come from these sort of other like tendencies i mean like definitely less anarchism and more kind of uh something that might be more kind of uh libertarian left autonomous kind of politics I think like I, I mean I know a lot of like dynable anarchists who maybe one might have voted but definitely are very 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 critical about this movement maybe also had some points about that but um people I mean some people maybe just got into sort of crude electoralism but I don't think that's the people that I'm sort of mm. talking about as well. So it's not like that they have, like people are super loyal or just think that the winning of elections is the purpose. There's a real kind of maybe movement to democratize a lot of the structures of that, of, of the Labour Party as well. People look to things like, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Greater London Council. Um, It was a kind of municipal government in London, which was headed up by Ken Livingston, mm. who, um, and Donald was the financer of. Um, and very much they, uh, this is seen as kind of an interesting um, experiment in sort of municipal socialism within, I mean, I don't know how much, it got disbanded of, by Thatcher in um 86 mm -hmm. but a lot of um 
even from like police monitoring groups to civil liberties organizations to community organizations the legacy of things are funded within the glc as well and um i think like things like this text that i was talking about the in and against the state one very much influenced that as well so it was a kind of seen as uh um yeah something that involved um more kind of like local level democracy and the funding of uh, explicitly of social movements and things like that so i think that people are sort of aware of that history and and are not just in it for i mean obviously there was an idea that it would be good if jeremy corbyn won an election but it, it i think to portray it as just like crudely interested in electoralism or labor is, is maybe not quite correct either but maybe it was more of a, like a point of mobilization or an idea of um, yeah uh, kind of reinvigorated a sort of socialist politics that i think have been very much lost for quite a long time and uh, what i heard from a couple of people from you know from london and you know it's um or 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 the kind of uh, impression that i get is like a very even though for example these people that they were often very engaged previously in theory and marxist theory and other forms of mm. you know kind of left uh communist or even anarchist uh, you know kind of uh, thinking then they want they kind of stopped with that and they went into a very pragmatic way of dealing with politics like you know very hands-on very mm. you know like kind of less you know now when i do the politics i just do activism and try to be as you know strategic and specific you know mm. like kind of like a kind of making a cut to mm. which was kind of something that kind of surprised me to a certain extent but maybe you know it, it, it does seem uh, to me that you know maybe it's a, a a different in the material conditions that it doesn't allow you know like kind of there's a kind of level of urgency that is very different to for example that from the perspective here in Berlin, you cannot understand that, or, you know, that kind of, that, yeah, I mean, like, what do I do with my time? You know, it's like, you know, or, or, you know, something like that. I don't know if that makes sense or... You know, definitely. I mean, I suppose also in this period, which is what, four, four years? Mm -hmm. four, yeah, anyway, um, there was an idea that this was like also a chance that could not be wasted as well, which I think maybe also meant that there was this sort of time pressure and a certain amount of urgency on that as well. I mean, I think also in the context of having 10 years of Tory austerity, yeah, or like a Tory government, which in a way is like not looking like it's going to be voted out anytime soon. This also was seen as something that was kind of definitely urgent as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, again, I do think people also saw it for what it was. Like, it was not an idea that... Corbyn would get elected and suddenly there would be like you know, socialism on earth. I think this was just seen as um, something to mobilize behind which also then had lots of other possibilities within it as well in terms of like local level democracy or media or uh, union organizing. Um, I, this might be wrong, but I, I get the impression that a lot more people also joined and got involved with unions. Mm. Something that happened uh, around that as well. Um, 
But, yeah, I don't know about people who were previously interfering. No, I'm reminded of um, a friend who was, uh, well, uh, somebody who I met, who, yeah, is, is an editor and you know, uh, works, and he was close to Podemos, but then um, actually mentioned that, you know, like the, because you mentioned previously the issue around education, and um, you know he was saying that there is no much education behind you know like podemos you mm -hmm. know, like right now it's not it's not it's not trying to build kind of you know education platforms of possibilities and it's like they're not and he was saying that he was not thinking that they have a broad vision, you know, they're just, mm -hmm. just trying to, you know, they, they is quite limited the vision that they had at the moment for the most, you know. And um, and what you described is also maybe it seems that because of the urgency of the situation uh, and I guess the complexity of it, there was uh, maybe you know, I mean, obviously there was no time for education, but education will have helped quite a lot. Is, are they now yeah, people, sure. are they people now thinking, okay, I mean, you know, what I heard, what I've seen of Plan C is like they're trying to, you know, engage with, you know, some kind of pedagogic kind of situations. And yeah, is, is, is this something that is becoming an issue? Like kind of, okay, this, this has happened, is, you know, um, education pedagogy something that we need to work through yeah i mean i think definitely um i think some of it again at the time there was seen as this maybe urgency or something so there was more of maybe like a broadcast and less interested in like pedagogical like different pedagogical methods or something i think that might be happening that that seems to be happening a bit more now or a sort of realization that people need to really know what they think on a certain subject in order to be able to like act on that in the absence of um participation uh, in uh, like a sort of corbinism which and again as i said this is maybe a bit of an avatar where lots of people could get involved and think that they thought the same things but actually very much didn't think the same things um but uh again i think it's kind of hard with the pandemic i've seen some uh, examples of, of this which I think is really kind of maybe more dedicated to kind of like a long-form idea of musical education I forgot the name of which was recently launched as well um, and like reading texts together and things like that um, but yeah I mean it got bandied around very much as a word like we need political education without maybe much idea of what that means um, but there was an idea that that was that was what was needed um and i think maybe people are now starting to think through that a bit more um i think also people are trying to think of what their position outside of what was seen as like corbinism is um and so i think that probably will also help as well um yeah i definitely think in relation to ideas of the state i think that's probably quite useful <laughs> Mm -hmm. But yeah, I suppose um, what uh, what me and um, 
Seth, we did a we did a talk at how uh, the bookshop in in London just before the lockdown, uh, which was trying to think of all these different documents uh, from the 1970s that might maybe uh, contribute to like um, giving political weight to these this this tendency rather than it just being seen as either opportunistic or uh, um, and so. Uh, yeah, we, we brought out a few um, examples. Uh, I think the Greater London Council was one of them, but there's other one which is a group called uh, Big Flame, which was also, I think, quite highly uh, influential to um, uh, Plan C, um, which was a kind of revolutionary socialist group from the 1972 to 1984, which were also some of the first people to start to translate like Italian Marxism into English um, and also uh, very much organised um, around things like Ford factories and housing struggles but were, were kind of outside of uh, official structures. But you can also see their kind of gradual movement into the Labour Party um, in the 1980s as well. Um, and so this was uh, yeah, maybe a moment that was interesting to revisit in relation to some people that had previously had seemingly like uh, yeah anti-authoritarian um, politics that have then decided to sort of go and go into a, a party structure at the end. Of it. it also split them, but um, uh, yeah, I think there's quite a lot of examples of these groups at the end of the 70s mm. that kind of go into that as well. And so I think this is. And then a lot of those people who had done that re-emerged under Corbyn as well. So there was this kind of like, yeah, um, maybe quite a lot of influence over that, over that movement. To so. raise a bit of the ideas of the in and against the state text, just to have a bit of a, you know, it is... Um, yeah, so... I mean, I think this was definitely like a... Um, I, as I said, I don't think the text is necessarily super... Uh, it's very much trying to deal with this idea of what you do with working with under sort of state structures, maybe that like in relation to welfare or social support or health, um, and still uh, kind of engage in what would be like a more kind of class struggle politics. Um, and so, it, yeah, it kind of goes through different examples of that from organizing on buses to like kind of healthcare and, and things like that and um again yeah it's it's very much like trying to it comes to some conclusions which i don't think i can completely summarize now but which plays with that sort of uh that contradiction and sees that as sort of productive um one um and then I think this has been used in a way as a kind of springboard to think uh, for, for people who have found themselves in the Labour Party to think through why that is. And um, so, yeah, again, it's maybe a bit of a starting point in which other people like have, have, have elaborated on. And yeah, I suppose that's done quite a lot of that as well. It's also done a lot of that in relation to the um, Communist Party in Italy in relation to like operismo and, mm. and things like that. So, um, 
it's become maybe a, more of like a tagline for mm. uh, these the, like the, the more libertarians within this. Yeah, within the, the Labour Party. And is there a resurgence on, on of interest in, on Bordiga at that level of Amadeo Bordiga or not so much necessarily? Because of the party, you know, but I mean, he had a very different, I guess, concept of the party. But like that kind of when you talk about discipline and, you know, like commitment, and, you know, like I was reminded of. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Maybe some people I know, but I don't think more generally. Okay, no, 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 but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's all relatively specific to the UK and some yeah. maybe like trends within from like Benism, like, and the, which is a figure called Tony Ben, who's dominant in the left of the party in the 80s, to um, these more kind of maybe, uh, yeah, social movement politics of the 1970s or so, then um, re-emerging in this kind of contemporary moment under Corbyn. Um, so yeah, I think it's relatively specific to the, mm. to, the to the UK. Um, I mean, obviously there was quite a lot of resonance under um, with like Sanders and, and things like that. Um, I mean, they've all very much proved to be kind of failures on an electoral level, for sure. Um, I don't think anyone would pretend otherwise. But uh, I do think in terms of how people regroup in this moment and how people did regroup under Corbyn, uh, it's not something that can really be... Um, should People should still pay attention to, I think, because I think it was one of the biggest regroupments of, of the left in as many as that, that, that I've... Yeah, I mean, I'm not so old, but... <laughs> um, I also thought that like a lot of the left in Europe looked to the UK as well in that moment as well. Maybe critically as well, but I think, yeah, it was... It was, yeah, it was, it was certainly, you know, momentum, not only the, you know, the, the movement, but like the, it was a very interesting, you know, uh, I mean, people, friends from any notes or, you know, like kind of people who, you know, they were getting very excited for, you know, what was going on. That's you know? what we were talking about in the pub, because yeah. you were like, oh, everyone's reading end notes, and I was like, no, I don't think they are. <laughs> <laughs> but the other positive way, they are. <laughs> It's a bunch of hipsters that they just yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I went as far as saying that kind of yeah. everybody's reading really notes, but like. Yeah. No, no, but, yeah. but I mean, what also? Okay, so you you were also saying that you thought more people were getting into anarchism and yeah, stuff, and I'm yeah. saying that from my experience, that does not seem to be the case in the UK for sure. Yeah. So, what do you think this is the case in Germany or? No, no, but even though I went to a presentation by Ed Nuch in the summer in a trailer park, uh, it did feel, it, they were on a stage and it did feel like a rock concert, you know, it did feel like, you know, but very, very, you know, DIY kind of, you know, but it did feel, uh, you know, but it's Berlin, you know, you know, in a kind of... Uh, in a trailer park? Well, in a, you know, this, how do they call it, the band, uh, again... You know, where you, you know, this, where people build, you know, they live in their own bands and, you know, Oh, yeah, like okay, the, okay. I don't know how you see Oh, there's one near Temple Hall. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. This was yeah, this was in Kreuzberg, okay. but, you know, but they had a wood stage and they were rocking, you know. <laughs> but uh, it was yeah, it was great. It was. Um, but you could maybe people were there was a still a, like an interest of like a younger generation to like communication. But no communication, maybe not. They don't use the term anymore. And I like, don't know. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, like no, that that I don't think is. Uh, mm. Yeah, but I, I guess you know, I guess the whole libertarian is like you know because it's taken from the right, you know, more mm. you know like the crypto capitalist, you know, like you know, like there is all these you know tendencies, you know, from you know, I mean, we just had a conversation on Saturday on the NFT non fungible tokens, you know, which is a total. Oh my god, account. that one, that is crazy. I was yeah. reading about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I did, it took me so long to understand it because I was just like, I don't understand this is a market, but it's right. Everyone's just made millions on Bitcoin and needs yeah. Well, it spend does it. not run on Bitcoin, actually. Hmm? It's not it's Bitcoin, it's Ethereum, the currency that it's used. Yes. You know, I mean, it's with the, on the blockchain of Ethereum, no? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has yeah. Ethereum also gone up crazily in price like Bitcoin? A little bit for its size, yes, okay. but it's just today. I think it was like 1,300 pounds mm. and Ethereum, yeah, and Ether. But the but the potential application uh, of NFTs is something that goes. Uh, much beyond the idea of just trading cards the problem is <laughs> that it's a very radical idea to create value out of uh, just an image and selling this because you are a famous artist and yeah the instances that we are reading these days on on the news are horrible it's like horrible 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 but the thing is that I don't know how familiar you are with this, but mm. yeah, the, the interesting aspect is how you create with the protocol of uh, the NFT a sort of synthetic uh, ledger. Mm -hmm. So you can, I don't know, have a direct payment out of a non-hierarchical organization of whatever it mm. could be i don't know hot desks that you rent for people and you receive exactly the um, the, the precise amount of money required for a person if this person just uses this hot desk for 10 minutes another person 10 months or it could be yeah the copyright of a music tune that it's being used, bought, sold, trade for decades. So yeah, it could be very interesting. But the thing I didn't understand with the NFTs was, say, with I mean, I read about Jack. What's he called? Jack Dorsey, the Twitter guy, mm. sold yeah. his tweet for what two and a half million. Yeah, but I didn't. Surely it depends on his own, like, 
on Twitter existing. It doesn't exist outside of that. So like what claimed as you, 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 it's like a certificate of ownership that could be traded, but it doesn't actually amount to any thing outside yeah. of, because I was thinking, okay, obviously if Trump had still been on Twitter during this time, his tweets would have gone for loads and loads of money, but then he got taken off Twitter. And then what would that mean in terms of his certificate of ownership? Uh, yeah, it's just uh, the, the, the particular code in this block of the blockchain. It's, mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a contract in which... But it doesn't, con it doesn't yeah. contain, it doesn't contain, the, does it contain the image or the element or it doesn't? It's only the. It's, it's, it's like just the link. It's at the link. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's, it's just your legal uh, authority. But the legal is legal because that's the another thing. Is this legally bounded or is just like through the kind of technological? It's through just through the blockchain because the idea of blockchain is to bypass the third trusted party. Okay. So there is okay, and the it's, specifics. It's, it's like the Bitcoin. You never have access, direct access to the Bitcoin. The Bitcoin is inscribed in the chain and you have access to this, let's call it location, but it's not a location. But it's, it's the change that it's registering what's going on. Exactly, what's going on. So it's, like, it's like saying machine bought the legal rights of playing this track for the rest of his life in this particular moment of blockchain. And this, you take note of this, like in a ledger, like in a very big book, and that's all. But you can sell it again, right? That's what they yeah, must absolutely. be. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And the good thing, apparently, is that imagine I produce the art piece. You buy it and then you sell it to Machine. Um, perpetually, I receive, imagine, a percentage of Ether for every transaction. Mm, I see. Okay. Well, okay. or whatever you want to do it, because it's a smart contract. The only mm. thing that you need to do is to figure out the protocol, etc. So obviously you guys are relatively skeptical of what is this is this maybe gets called institutional turn into uh, parliamentary politics or uh, how maybe some of the left like kind of more anti-authoritarian left anarchist tendencies have been subsumed into this. But I was just wondering what you thought was like the potentials of the present because obviously that was people went into that seeing a, cer a certain potential which might have been misguided or not thought through but definitely there was an idea that this something could happen out of this so um i was just wondering what you thought was maybe those potentials in uh, at this point well I, th I think the potential must be with the realization of the disenchantment of you know like i mean uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, I come from a perspective of putting putting into question, well, both anarchism, um, but also democracy as we understand it today, mm -hmm. because in the way that it collapses, 
uh, into the individual individual uh, it gives it a level of agency you know that gives it certain sovereignty you know mm -hmm. i believe in that it's almost a subject you know mm -hmm. and you know i guess my whole the research that i'm doing which i call the social dissonance mm -hmm. is this cognitive dissonance between believing that as an individual you can have this amount of agency or capacity to act mm -hmm. but then being confronted uh with a reality that constantly tells you otherwise mm -hmm. that you are you know so maybe you know by accelerating and this is a very dodgy and problematic term but you know that this is this enchantment of or, or you know encountering the limitations of the assumptions where these ideologies based on uh it can you know maybe propose something you know like it it takes other assumptions as a starting point you know which might not be like uh that we need to reconsider what the individual is in relationship to the collective and you know that many things need to be to change but i think the notion of the state is crucial because it's the one that administrates legally uh this kind of bound towards you know what you are vis-a-vis -vis the state you know and in you know in, and I, i think both are extremely problematic you know this kind of emphasis on the individual in terms of the libertarian kind of thing which we see both in the nft somewhat we were talking just before we were talking mm. you know before we we, we I, you know you came the libertarian qualities of some people within the nft you know that they want to bypass the state totally and they want to you know like kind of be as directly mediated as possible mm -hmm. as, you know i think that's the aim no the the original aim of the cypher punks all these guys that was their original aim yeah that ended in the white paper of bitcoin or whatever application we are seeing nowadays like for example ethereum but on, on yeah on, on the other side we see like a return to nationalism as a way to kind of generate that it generates forms of belonging mm -hmm. but as if you were saying even adam curtis is to a certain extent defending you know with quotation marks as a way to counter this kind of whole neoliberal globalization that is just like you know amazon john bezos you know that kind of totally but, that, but for example i i have zero sympathy for nationalism but at the same time i think the notion of a nation state is one of the most important notions of the modern era it's like because without them we are again that's my joke before like we are alone against the lords of war it's like we can do nothing it's like i i i, I feel so powerless i i need to to create a sort because for example i am extremely skeptical of parliamentary politics but maybe it's because of my i only voted once in my life in a very naive and optimistic moment in 2016 in which i thought okay podemos it we were for more than one year and a half without government in spain mm -hmm. and it, it was going to be in july uh, i think the day of the referendum here was like thursday or something like that 
and the general elections in Spain were on Sunday. And I remember clearly, I was quite poorly in Spain in the hospital. I thought, this is perfect. Uh, it's going to be remain and on s- Sunday, communism in Spain. And it was like <laughs> a huge wreck. I went to to the to vote like with a horrible pain because I had a lumbar puncture. And I was like, first time in democracy and it was super painful. And it was <laughs> and it was horrible. Massive failure. <laughs> Massive failure. And it's like I don't know. Uh, for me uh, it's really 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 difficult to I don't know maybe it's because as well our context yeah. seeing in the no, we both, you know he comes north, from Galicia mm-hmm. I come the north from, of Spain is like ah, you know, <laughs> it's just like so we come from parts of Spain that doesn't want to be Spain yeah yeah okay you know okay. there's this you know there's this you know and then you see you know like you know see Basque nationalism you know which mm. certainly compared to Spanish nationalism you know it's like you know it's like there's different forms of nationalism mm. And uh, but you see the romantic and problematic, you know, elements of it, or the you know, right, the, the failures. Also, mm. you also see the failures. You also see the promises that you know don't never, you know, don't get fulfilled. You know, you also feel the sense of belonging that it generates. Mm-hmm. You know, that is also very powerful. But mm-hmm. there is always, you know, also another counter. You know. Mm. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not something that I feel, you know, comfortable assuming, you know, like, like mm, you know, like, because I also, because I've seen the limitations of it, you know, like really mm. in my lifetime, you know, and it's... Uh, I mean, I definitely think that most of the people who we were maybe talking about now have definitely either, if they knew the limitations before or didn't know going into this now, see them very much so Mm -hmm. as well. So I'm kind of, as I said, interested to see what kind of uh, movements, organisations come out of this, because I think in a way it was, in some ways it was... uh, I don't know if history repeating itself is the right thing, but some ways it's not new, and some in some ways it was very new for a lot of the um, uh, uh, like yeah post two thousand and eight kind of left, um, and so. But I also don't think that it's some, an experience that will go away. I don't mm. think people will just entirely reject it. Um, no, not at all. I mean, I think we have good. I mean, there are good experiences. Uh, we have examples of people in common, uh, friends that they got into institutional politics in Spain, mm-hmm. in, in positions of power, no? I would say, Martin, or yeah, participating in the, in the parliamentary politics. And they are achieving stuff that I, I find fantastic, stuff that. Uh, I don't know, five years ago with the government of Pepe, it was awful. <laughs> and uh, here in the UK, I have a, a former colleague from my department that now is working in this this thing that I am pretty sure you know about, uh, called Autonomy Institute. Mm, yeah. So, 
I mean, they're very much a product of this kind of Corbyn fight. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was always amazed at how many think tanks popped up around mm. Corbyn so quickly. I don't know, mm. I don't realize I remember like you start one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. In this particular mo moment, it was like pure emergence of activity. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like a physical force. Yeah, sure. And I mean, also, do you not think it's kind of interesting that that's what their name is? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which basically looks around policy around work mm. that advocates a four-day week, looks at how you legislate that, mm. got that into a manifesto. And I suppose that is the kind of, was the appeal of that, was that so many of, you know, people that you just knew from the pub or something were very much influencing a manifesto that could be implemented into policy. Ultimately, totally failed, didn't get elected, but there was well, this... But for example, they, they are traveling in Spain. Um, and... But yeah, I mean, it's also called autonomy. And I was always like, I wonder whether what this is, if this is a reference. Like, yeah. Reference. Well, I think it's a reference to Italian politics, to Gramsci and this tradition, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, fact, I, when, yeah when I was talking Alex Williams, he was totally pro Gramsci, vamos. He was like really... Yeah, so I think this is all kind of part of this maybe ecology that surrounded yeah. the Labour Party and also felt like it had a particular influence towards yeah. that particular leadership but also I think will remain without that as well like yeah. obviously yeah. there's a big void there as well and I wonder yeah what kind of politics that will turn into as well because obviously if you don't have the mouthpiece of policy makers in, mm -hmm. in, in parliament then this is like becomes a bit different also, and mayday like do you think that mayday has played a role in the revival of all these things on you know text of the 70s or, or not necessarily it's like something much more micro you know no, i mean on some level um we have an archive that is uh that got a lot of um, interest around things like the Green New Deal called the Lucas Plan mm -hmm. which was an attempt by um, workers at Lucas Aerospace which is a factory in I think between Birmingham and Wolverhampton um, to turn what was previously a kind of arms and built concord into what was called socially useful production mm -hmm. um, so they, 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 they put together a big corporate plan which turned all the kind of um, machinery in that factory over to, uh, yeah, um, yeah, what was called socially useful production, and, and a lot of them were engineers. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like uh, renewable energy, like mm -hmm. technologies that have really taken up. So there's been a lot of, uh, I think, key moments where a lot of the material from our archive has become of particular interest yeah. to. Um, people within this kind of movement um uh also again this kind of legacy from the 70s around um how kind of more italian nazism came present in the uk mm -hmm. um and, and also a lot of people who then again participated in 
Corbin leadership also you can see throughout that I mean there's also a lot around like housing struggles or more kind of like anarchist publications or um, uh, more kind of uh, socialist unions or strikes outside of official trade unions and things which also have had kind of a lot of interest as well I mean we also I think it's kind of interesting how all these um, different groups uh, sit next to each other so like we have a thing uh, a building collective until corona which like used the building and there were things from festivals that very much supported the Corbyn leadership called like the world transformed to the IWW to um, I don't know, yeah, more kind of um, independent trade unions as well so they all kind of maybe also in interestingly coexist mm -hmm. Um, obviously some antagonisms maybe, but also, uh, yeah, kind of, um, there's also very little space in London for these kind of things as no. well, so I think we do. And it seems quite peculiar, no, because the financing comes from Alex and Chris, no, or just the building, or the house structure, it's a, it's a very peculiar... Yeah, it is, um, so the building was bought for us by a trust, which is part of um the Sainsbury Trust mm -hmm. um called the Glasshouse Trust um and they also give us a like core funding mm -hmm. so we're able to kind of uh operate with our core functions without finding other funding as well but also very kind of hands off in, in terms of what we do as well oh. uh so in a way it's kind of it, it often gets quite a lot of it used to get criticism, doesn't so much anymore, about this funding from uh, kind of wealthy benefactors or something. But um, yeah, in a way, I think it's given us a lot of freedom to do where I see lots of organisations basically just taken up by like funding cycles and like destroyed by the fact that their core funding from the Arts Council or something didn't, didn't come through or something. There's maybe like six or seven spaces in the whole wow. city and it's a big city that yeah. it's kind of are, are able to be people are able to use on that level as well. so, yeah. um in a way i think it's kind of interesting how um groups uh that were maybe more like corbynite and groups that were more kind of uh, uh, not <laughs> have to rub up against themselves because of this like lack of space as well so, yeah. Anyway, you should visit. Yeah, yeah of course, of course, you know, I mean, yeah, of course, it's, the archive is really amazing. And you see, uh, like, because when we talk in the pub, you, I got the impression that these anarcho-Stalinists were very active, like they, they were very motivated. Or maybe, you know, maybe you mentioned the word discipline several times and it kind of impressed me. And it, I mean, they were maybe not anarcho-Stalinism, but there was more of like a, as, as Miguel Sofer's sort of rise in a kind of much more authoritarian left, which was around like different, I mean, again, I think it's mainly online, but like this uh -huh. idea around discipline, so that was maybe something separate from that as well. So there was more of a kind of like, uh, idea of like disciplining and party line and, 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 and things like that that came out of, uh, yeah, maybe an over-identification with kind of more like Stalinism. Mm -hmm. um, 
again also maybe uh, uh, aims at lots of more Trotsky's entries groups to the Labour Party because obviously that had another so it's, it's a bit like trolling. I mean, it's like a. It's, yeah. it's a, okay. So it's a. Me, it's more media kind of yeah, radical means, position. Uh, means, yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Not so it's discipline in the time of spending. You know the yeah. names I take in the yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of just like okay. So it's like yeah. 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 Like, yeah, yeah, like of, just uh, lots of pictures of pitchforks and like they had this thing which was like um, the correct position. I mean, this may have also come at a period where it was uh, certain um, uh, confidence on the part of mm. factions on the left in relation to um, sort of, uh, Corbyn, but also uh, a real deep hatred of like Trotskyist groups, which have also dominated a lot of UK, like, kind of more far-left politics. But you know, Martin, that the, you know, the, the TV channel La Tuerca, no? Yeah. So in this, in this channel, when they were doing some, some shows, this is a channel that was partly funded by certain people of Podemos. The, mm -hmm. the viewers, they were always posting the, like, Slava Stalin, you know, um, whatever thing, the whatever sort of uh, message, Slava Stalin, Slava Stalin, all the time, like trolls. Yeah, okay, so it's like a trolling kind of... Uh... Yeah, and it was very much like playing out factional wars or like... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was, yeah. Okay, so was, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, because the SWP, they also have a reputation, and I guess they went through this kind of... Yeah, I mean, I mean they basically have lots of different front organizations now, but are definitely not like a single legitimate like, political force. But then there's certain things like um, groups like uh, Alliance for Workers' Liberty, mm -hmm. who are very much also super annoying. <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, who were um, also kind of more like entryist politics into the Labour Party, um, and so this was again brought up as a kind of like conflict between the more kind of Stalinist left in terms of on, but more like online, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, in terms of uh, yeah, I think it mainly plays out online. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was the finger finger of vigilance. <laughs> wow! Yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. Because obviously, social media also played a huge role in, I guess, both uh, making the movement, but also, I guess, this splitting and this trolling and inner trolling. No? Um. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it plays out on Twitter. I mean, you also have all these kind of weird sort of spokes people for I think that's also emerged quite a lot like people who are like gatekeepers or, or have built like particular kind of media careers or quite kind of sort of commentary apps out of out of this as well mm. and I think that also has um, maybe given the impression that uh, because it's often played out on social media or then they got news platforms and things like that 
and maybe gives the impression that things are more popular or advancing more than they are because it's centered around like a few people rather than mm. being a kind of yeah mass movement or something um now so i don't know yeah i'm not sure how high yeah, i remember talking to uh, yeah also a friend of Anthony's who you know now lives in paris but she was you know she's she mentioned that she was so disappointed with the way that the student movement then later on they went you know became more institutionalized and especially you know was like she was basically talking about the Novara people that she thought that it was a very big, big disappointment and, you know i mean i don't think i would agree with her on that i think it can definitely be criticized but in terms of things that have come out and have been enduring and like you know the left doesn't have any community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, they, they, and I don't, yeah, so I think that it's very easy to criticize them, but I think it's... Is that doing a very, like, you know... A, I mean, some of the stuff I don't like that they put out, but generally speaking, I think yeah. I'm kind of glad they exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's quite easy to be sort of, maybe like, um, anti-institutional uh, and, like, sneering about it but I think they've done done more for a resurgence of what might be like yeah socialism than uh, more minoritarian positions or something um, but yeah I mean mean, that doesn't mean that you can't be critical of them I just just, think it's quite easy to be as well and also they have very kind of varied positions from like people who are just very much like social democrats to people who are still definitely maybe more of a kind of like libertarian communism. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think it is, a, I think this is like, I do think it highlighted the fact that one, the leftists have very little power mm-hmm. and two, they don't have so many like organizations or institutions that, mm-hmm. can, that, that withstand these things as well. So I think Mm. I, I don't think yeah I think maybe autonomy is kind of an interesting example as well in terms of trying to turn this into an sort of organisational form rather than a kind of loose affiliation or mm-hmm. I think that's what people have also learned from this I think, which I don't think is necessarily a bad lesson 